The first Bible reading this morning uh, is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 1 to 18. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Thank you for having me here today. Thank you, Michael, for the invitation to be here. Uh, my name's Matthew. I'm from Anglican Aid. And we're going to take a moment to look at the Bible now, and I'll share a little bit about what Anglican Aid is and what we do. So let me pray as we begin. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not left us in the dark, but that you have spoken through your Son, Jesus. Uh, Father, as we take time now to reflect on your word, we pray that uh, you, your Spirit will be with us. May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you take any time these days to listen to the media, uh, it seems that we're just jumping from one crisis to another. Uh, whether it's the crisis in Ukraine, energy crisis, um, the, latest the latest political crisis, uh, it's just one crisis after another. Don't even get me started on the crisis of Australian rugby. We could go there all day. 
But it seems that society is a lot more fractured, voices are a lot more louder, and filled with a lot more hate these days. And if you put your hand up as a follower of Jesus, it seems that you just become more of a target. And under all this pressure, it can be quite overwhelming. It can make you throw your arms in the air and wonder, what on earth is going on in this world? Every TikToker, every politician, every neighbour seems to have a solution for the problem. But today we can be reminded of a different story. The story about what the Lord of heaven and earth is doing in his world. We're reminded of his story. And it's this story that we must be reminded of constantly, keep at the forefront of our minds. Because this is the story that counts. This is the story that goes into eternity and won't pass like the morning mist of the things of this world. Today's passage reminds us of two things. Two things are good to keep at the forefront of our minds. Number one, the importance of seeing the beauty of the risen Jesus. And number two, that Jesus brings all-encompassing change to his followers. The beauty of Jesus and the change that Jesus brings. In his relationship with the Corinthian church, Paul had a lot of reasons to give up hope, to throw his hands in the air and say, why bother? Despite many, his many injunctions to the Corinthian church about their behaviour, they were just persistently disobedient. And further, there were outsiders from outside the church that had come in and were accusing him of being deceitful, of being weak, and, of, and they were accusing him of saying false things about God. He had troubles within the church and he had pressures from outside the church. But Paul did not lose hope. Why not? Because his eyes remained fixed on the beauty of Jesus. The great problem of our time isn't war in Ukraine or rising petrol prices, but it's that people do not see the beauty of Jesus. In verse 4 of the reading from 2 Corinthians, it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Because Jesus is the only true image of God, that means in order to see God, you see Jesus. If you don't see Jesus, then you don't see God, and there is no other way. But we've not been left in the dark. God has spoken. Verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The God of creation, the God who can speak and light itself comes into existence, he's removed that veil of darkness that is in our hearts because of our sin and he has shown us the beauty of Jesus. In Jesus you have the forgiveness of your sins. 
The guilt that was yours has been removed and in its place you now have peace with God, your creator. Jesus is morally perfect, the only one. And he is perfectly wise. And he wants that to share that wisdom with you in your life. You have access to that perfect wisdom in Jesus. Jesus is strong. He is powerful. Jesus is kind. Jesus is gentle with you. In Jesus, you have rest for your soul. Those deep yearnings of your heart are satisfied in him. Those things that you are too scared to talk about, that you've never shared with anyone, he knows and he loves you dearly. In Jesus, there is healing for every bruise that you have. Every wound is healed in Jesus. Every, all the justice that this world is calling out for is found in the one that uh, will dispense justice with perfect righteousness. There is nothing that compares to the beauty of Jesus. Do you see Jesus this way? Do you see the beauty of Jesus? Do you see him as more satisfying than anything that this world can offer you? When we come under the lordship of Jesus, our hearts are changed. And the life that we live under his lordship is a constant battle, putting aside the old life of sin, but displaying Jesus in our lives and growing in character to be more like him. In verse 10 of the reading today, it says, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus putting aside ourselves and promoting only him. And when we do that, the rest of verse 10, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And we do this for the benefit of other people as well. When we live the life of following Jesus, we display Jesus to other people through our words and through our actions. Verse 15 of the reading all this is for your benefit, Paul writes, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. This is what God is doing in this world. He is saving people, removing that veil of darkness so they may see the beauty of Jesus and give him glory. And then he's also changing people changing individuals and changing communities so that they do great works of service for other people as they proclaim Jesus to a dark world. Lives are being changed. Lives are being saved. Anglican Aid is the overseas aid and development agency for Sydney Anglican churches, churches like this. We're involved in working with partners in a, um, about 40 different countries around the world. 
We're involved currently in around 140 different projects. The types of places that we work, you won't find unusual tourist destinations, because part of our strategic focus is to work in the most poor nations, where people are most desperately poor, where places that have been ravaged by war and conflict over decades, where there's great drought or flood, and often where other organisations won't work. And there are two things that Anglican Aid focuses on. Strengthening churches so that the name and the beauty of Jesus is proclaimed clearly by godly leaders. Strengthening churches and transforming communities so that changed lives can exhibit the grace of God to those around them. Too often we are distracted by the things of this world and the ministers of gospel, the gospel are no different. One of the particular challenges that ministers of the gospel face is that they want to, they're tempted to put themselves in the limelight. But ministers of the gospel, like all of us, are called to simply point people to Jesus. In verse 5 of today's reading it says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So Anglican Aid is committed to strengthening churches. We primarily do that by enabling uh, local Bible leaders to be properly trained in good Bible training centres around the world, Bible colleges. And so through Anglican Aid, you can be involved in this process by sponsoring Bible trainees as they go through their course, whether it's a one-year, two-, three-, or four-year course, you can sponsor them so that they can go to the Bible colleges and be further trained to lead God's people. One of the great distinctives about Anglican Aid is that our, all the uh, contributions that are given can be tax-deductible, and that includes sponsoring Bible college students overseas. The gov Australian government will help out with the tax-deductibility. It's quite remarkable. When I just find the spot that we're up to, I've got a photo here of a recent ordination service uh, in Burundi. It's not your typical, um, like Burundi, it's, it's not like Mossman, I can tell you that, even though I haven't been. Uh, but you can see that they're wearing typical Anglican garb. And they do that because we, uh, we will partner with like-minded organisations and like-minded, Bible-believing, Christ-centred churches. And so as they go through their service, these men and women are trained up to proclaim Jesus clearly in their local church. That's their local church. It's not like here, but the same Jesus is proclaimed. I've got a short video here that just talks a little bit more about Bible College sponsorship. Alongside our development work, Anglican Aid is helping to strengthen our partners and their churches by sending Christian leaders to trusted Bible colleges in their own cultural context, where they are trained for a lifetime of ministry. Since 2004, Anglican Aid has sponsored 
the training of over 780 Barber College students in Africa, Asia, the Pacific and the Middle East. I came here to study theology, to understand how a servant of God can manage to interpret the word of God. How can we deliver the message to people so that they can gain everlasting life? Because there are many pastors in the world, though they are pastors, but they lack the knowledge. So with the support that you give us, it makes us to understand the word of God, to have that access to learn that when I go out, the ministry will not be like the same. So Anglican Aid is doing a great job because they are making people to understand the word of God and to learn so that at the end of the day, a lot of people will be saved. I want to thank you, Anglican Aid, for all you, you have done to help, support, and uh, sponsor students in this college. In our diocese, we have planted over 465 new churches. We need that help to support the education and the sound knowledge of the Bible to our students and many pastors and evangelists. Thank you very much. May the Lord bless you as you sponsor one, you sponsor many. God bless you abundantly. Thank you. It has been a long time passion of mine to work with young people. It got to a point in my ministry whereby I found my theology was lacking to address, to at least to speak to the needs of these young boys. And I could not give more than what I already had. I was challenged and I felt that I needed to learn more, gain more, in order to be able to give more to these young people. And so I'm very thankful to YouthWorks College and Anglican Aid for sponsoring me as well as my other colleagues to make sure that we can be better equipped to help other young people in our nation who are in need. We are seeing impacts of uh, having good biblical theological education for students here at St. Patrick's. Many of them, when they came here, they thought that we already didn't know how to preach. But after their studies of the Bible and how to preach and their hermeneutics, many are aware that they didn't know even uh, how to preach. And, but we say, now we are able to preach Christ and we are able to preach the truth uh, of the Word of God. Uh, for example, one student, when he was sent for uh, internship, 120 uh, people converted to Christianity. So that's amazing. So we thank you, not merely because of your financial help. We thank you and we give glory to God because you have contributed to change people's lives. So through the study here, students can go and change others. So thank you so much. Alongside 
the work that we do in, uh, amongst Bible college students in strengthening churches, we're also involved in tra uh, transforming communities. As I said, Anglican Aid is involved in around 140 projects at the moment. And the types of projects we do is quite diverse. Everything from water and sanitation and hygiene, income generation, uh, work particularly benefiting women and children, uh, like building schools, uh, and lots of other sorts of work as well. If you go to our website, you'll be able to see the, the variety of places we work and the types of projects we're involved in. Anthony and Trudy are two Sydney-siders that have spent some time working in northern Ethiopia with one of our partners called Heading North. Uh, we've been partnering with Heading North since about 2015. And just before Christmas, I got to catch up with Anthony and Trudy to hear about some of the work that's being done through places like Heading North. It's a good example of some of the work that we do because we often try to engage in a particular area with multiple projects. Uh, one instance was that we built a school for teenage girls in East Africa, but the girls still weren't able to go to school because they were too busy uh, getting fresh water for their families and the fresh water was too far away. So we also built a well. We built a well so the teenage girls could go to their school and get the education. And in that area, we've also got a preschool and other work. And it's a similar way in heading north, in northern Ethiopia. We do multiple projects in the one area so that whole communities can be affected. So, for example, in uh, northern Ethiopia, we were involved in a water project in the village of Warrantili. In that area, uh, only 20% of people were lived within one kilometre of fresh, clean drinking water. Only 20%. After we were involved in this water project, the people of that village went to the next village and showed them how to build a well like they'd just learnt. That's a passing on the good news, isn't it? After that project, 86% of people now live within one kilometre of fresh, clean drinking water. This is the uh, main base of Heading North in Ethiopia. Uh, it's not much to look at. It's a pretty tough area. You see there, the, that's their main compound with the hill in the background. But one of the things they've been doing is working with local farmers to bring about new irrigation techniques and they've introduced new farming crops as well, like coffee and other things, in order to provide local farmers with the opportunity to have a self-sustaining farming techniques and models with the local markets available as well. With some of those changes, it didn't just affect the farms, it affected their compound itself. So that, their compound changed quite a bit, didn't it? But also with the support of Anglican Aid, Heading North was able to buy a tractor and a tractor brings about great change. It looks like that now. It's the same place. If you look in the top right corner, you can just see the same hill. But it's been changed considerably. Um, in northern Ethiopia, but there's been decades of intertribal warfare and conflict. So much so that it's part of their society to have vengeance killings. 
in the area where Heading North works, the average number of vengeance killings per year was about 30 to 40. But through, Anglic uh, through uh, Heading North, there's been work about peace and reconciliation. With the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus, that's been proclaimed in that area. And in the last three years, there's only been one vengeance killing. That's a good change, isn't it? Also in that area, uh, just in October last year, some of the warring groups had been got together and through great work of reconciliation, were able to get into the room together and sign a document to, um, art that articulated their desire for peace and the stopping of hostility. In northern Ethiopia, only about 1% of people are Bible-believing Christians. But in that room, facilitating the reconciliation, half the, half the people were Christians. God puts the right people in the right place at the right time. This peace and reconciliation work is doing great wonders in northern Ethiopia. This uh, is a picture of a, a, a group of men uh, in one of the villages where Heading North works. The man in the middle is a man called Gesachu. Uh, Gesachu is sitting by himself because the locals know him as the guy that reads his Bible. And so because of that, he gets isolated. But he's been reading his Bible faithfully since the early 1970s when a, local, uh, a missionary came and introduced him to Jesus. But Gesachu has also undergone some peace and reconciliation work more recently. And people are now looking at him and realising he's not so crazy and he's actually got something worthwhile to say. And the good news is Gesachu is now no longer sitting by himself. In fact, young men are coming to him to read the Bible with him. He's a faithful man of God and God is using people like him to transform communities and share the beauty of Jesus. Just before she returned to Australia, uh, Trudy was approached by one of the women in the villages that she worked with and the woman asked Trudy the question that I'm sure she'd been wanting to hear for so long. The lady came up to her and said, why do you love us? I'm sure Trudy's heart would have leapt with joy. Because of Jesus, she replied. And Trudy went on to explain how she could explain to this lady and others there about Jesus. Trust had been earned. The demonstration of love had been shown. And now the beauty of Jesus could be talked about to these people. Can I please encourage you to learn more about Anglican Aid, about the work that we're doing with our partners in some of the most desperately poor places of the world, but also in places where God's church is blossoming and he is saving so many. Please go to our website. There's all our projects uh, in our locations. They're all there. You can find out all the information. Please sign up for updates. If you give us your email address, you can, up the back I've got QR codes you can sign up with or old school pieces of paper you can write your name and address on. We don't spam you, we don't send a lot of stuff, uh, but we just send you out information a few times a year to tell you good news stories about what's happening around the world. But please be informed more about what God is doing around the world. 
Please pray for this work. Up the back again, I've got prayer diaries for this year. Please take one of them. They're really good ways to learn about what's happening, but also to bring these things to God, for this is God's work. If you're in a position to give, please do so, to give money. As I mentioned, it's tax deductible, uh, and this, all, all this work is done explicitly in the name of Jesus. We partner with local churches, and sometimes we're the only people in that area working, as other organisations are pulled out. But we can work there. Why? Because the church is still there. And I, can I encourage you not to lose heart? This is God's story. This is what he is doing. So be involved. Be encouraged. Is it worth it? The burdens of this life can feel heavy, can't they? Verse 17 of today's reading. For our light and momentary troubles, Paul writes, how can he write that the burdens of this life are light and momentary? He's got eternity on view. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. How do we do that? How do we keep going? Verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. As the old song goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.